0: Well, good morning. For about the last six years, I've worked for the Liberty Public School System, and they're doing something that I've noticed uh, a lot of the larger companies are starting to do. It used to be, you know, they just give you uh, health insurance. But now uh, they, they do other things, and with LPS, they've instituted the thing for the last couple years where once a year they have an event they call a wellness screening. Any of you have wellness screenings at work? Okay, yeah, I see it's it's kind of catching on. I think the companies have learned that if they can get their, uh, their workforce to be a little healthier, it saves them money on health insurance. And so they've instituted these wellness screenings. And, and the concept behind a wellness screening, at least the way the LPS does it, is uh, you know, you'll fill out a little health risk assessment. You'll go, they'll take a little blood. Uh, they'll, they'll just run some biometrics on you. Uh, they know what healthy looks like. And then they try to kind of give you your results and say, you know, here's what healthy is and, and here's where you are. And, uh, you know, could we kind of get together on this? What, what could you do to either get healthier or to stay healthy if you are healthy? But they develop these wellness screenings. And the thing that I've noticed about them, uh, you know, although that's kind of a new thing, the annual physical has been around for a while and, and I've lived for over 50 years, so I've had a chance to be through a lot of these things. And I have a little bit of a complaint I'd like to register this morning, and that complaint is that it seems like over the last 50 years, nothing has really changed. I mean, the same questions they're asking today were the questions they were asking 50 years ago. The thing, same things they're measuring was what they were measuring 50 years ago. Uh, It seems like there's no new ideas here. You know, you would think certainly someone with a little creativity could have come along here, you know, and spruced this up a little bit. But you go to these things and they're boringly routine. You know what they're going to ask you about. They're going to ask you, to check your blood pressure. Uh, they're going to check your height and your weight and kind of give you a BMI number. They're going to listen to your heart, check your cholesterol. They're going to ask, "Is your HDL high enough? Is your LDL low enough? You know, Are you physically active? Are you doing anything? How are you eating? Is there something that you're doing that you know is unhealthy that maybe you need to stop doing? But these are the same questions they've been asking for over 50 years. It's the same thing. Now, why is that so? Why do you think with 50 years of medical advancement, they really keep coming back to the same stuff? Well, maybe... It's because after a lot of years of study and observation, these highly trained medical professionals have figured out what a healthy human body looks like. Maybe they know what healthy does and they know what healthy doesn't do. And so these wellness screenings are designed to show you what healthy looks like and to help you take an honest and objective look at where you're at and to figure out how to get you to stay healthy or to get healthy. I think that's why LPS does it. The other option is they just do it to irritate me once a year. And I think that's a viable one also. But they probably are trying to do it for my good. Well, this morning in 1 Peter chapter 5, as we finish the book of 1 Peter, Peter is actually doing exactly the same thing. He is doing a wellness screening. Only instead of doing it for our physical bodies, he's doing it for the church. He's looking at the church... He's looking at this group, and he says, let me do a little bit of a wellness screening with you before I sign this letter off and go. And he starts by looking at the leadership, and he says, here are some of the biometrics of healthy leadership. And then he turns his attention over to the members of the church and says, and here are some of the biometrics of healthy team members. And so he just gives those to us today so we can kind of evaluate where we are. Let's take a look at where he starts with the leadership in 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4. He says, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, of course, these biometrics of healthy spiritual leadership apply to those who are on the pastoral staff here at our church, to those who are on the leadership team. That's a direct application, but I'd encourage you before you zone out for the first half of the message. Um, Consider the fact that if you lead a small group, you're in a leadership position. If you lead a women's or a men's Bible study, you're in a leadership position. If you work on one of the ministry teams here in the church, you're providing leadership for the church by being a part of that ministry. So, so zoom out a little and realize that when we talk about leadership, we're talking about more than just 10 or 12 people. We're actually talking about a lot of people in the body that have leadership roles. So this, there are parts of this that are for all of us. So let's take a look at the, the biometrics of some healthy spiritual leadership. And it starts, number one, with the right perspective, which is humility. The right perspective, humility. In one, Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder. And that kind of catches my attention because, really? That's the way you're going to bring this exhortation, Peter? As your fellow elder? I mean, think of who this guy is. This is Peter. I was one of the first twelve disciples to be chosen to walk with Christ. I'm that Peter. This was the I did a three-year graduate program learning from and living with the very Son of God, Peter. This was the I was one of three invited to be there when the heavens opened and Christ was transfigured and we did a heavenly conference call with Moses and Elijah, Peter, This was the, I was personally, not as a group, I was personally commissioned by the risen Christ to shepherd the flock of God, Peter. This was the the day this whole thing began on Pentecost. I was the keynote speaker on the first day of the church, Peter. This was the, I am the primary leader of the global church at the time of the writing of this letter, Peter. Yet how does he describe himself? He says, well... I got some words of encouragement for you, you know, as a, as a fellow elder. Just, just one of you. You know, I'm doing what you're doing. I'm, I'm just like you. That's called humility. And the first biometric of healthy team leads in the church is humility. Because the church is about Christ. And it's not about any one of us. No matter what our title or position. The church has one chief shepherd. That's Jesus Christ, and we are not that. And so the right perspective for all of us is to use whatever spiritual gifts God has given to us in serving Christ and doing it with humility under the leadership of one chief shepherd. Because ultimately at the end of the day, we're just a bunch of either fellow elders or fellow team members who happen to be serving and loving an amazingly awesome God. Second biometric of healthy team leads is the right actions, which is shepherd the flock. Shepherd the flock. Now, a shepherd is one who's watching out for the needs of others. Think about what a shepherd does. He spends his time, his energy directing, guiding, protecting, and feeding the flock. In a leadership position, you can ultimately do one of two things. You can use that position to serve and enrich yourself, or you can use that position to serve and enrich others. Peter's saying good spiritual leaders use the opportunities that they have been given to serve others instead of serving themselves. What, What is it good spiritual leaders do? They shepherd the flock. That's the job description. That's what you do. The third biometric of good spiritual team leads is the right attitude, which is privilege. In 5 2, it says, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but voluntarily. You see, instead of an attitude of obligation, of I have to, of I ought to, of, oh, well, I guess I suppose I will, no one else is going to do it, instead of an attitude of reluctance, he says, the right attitude is an attitude of privilege. I'm honored. To have the opportunity to serve. He calls it an attitude of eagerness, of I get to, I want to, I desire to. Peter's explaining to these new elders that just as important as doing the right actions is doing them with the right attitude. And the attitude is eagerness, privilege, honor, desire. I get to. The fourth biometric that he lays out for good spiritual team leads is the right motivation, which is God's glory. The passage says, according to the will of God and not for sordid gain. Sordid gain means money. The greatest danger of spiritual leadership is not that spiritual leaders will do the wrong thing. That does happen occasionally and usually makes the news, but that's pretty rare. The greatest danger for spiritual leadership, is doing the right things for the wrong reasons. Because 99% of the body would probably never know it's even going on, but you would know, and so would the chief shepherd, and that's too, too many. The spiritual leadership motivation is everything. If you hang around it long enough, sometimes you, you come to realize that sometimes people will seek spiritual leadership positions for the wrong reasons. Sometimes people are in it for the money. Like you talked about, sorted gain. I mean, it just seems like a a job, a a good job. I mean, what other jobs can you work one day a week? Really? That's a pretty good gig. In Acts 8, there was a fellow named Simon. He joined the church, and he saw the power of God at work, and he thought, man, this looks pretty cool. We could make some money with this. And he came up with some ideas, and Peter, the same author of our book, rebuked him in Acts 8.20 and said... May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Peter called him out on his motivation. He said, you're in it for the money. You can do that. It can be just a job to you, but it shouldn't be. Some people are in spiritual leadership or seek it for the power. I mean, they just like being in charge. They like telling people what to do. John had to write in 3 John 1 9 about a fellow like that named Diotrephes. He wrote, I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. Diotrephes was a leader in the church, and he just liked the power. He liked telling people what to do. And when John the Apostle wrote, he says, No, I reject what you say. I'm in charge here. These people, you know, I'm the lead. Sometimes people feel a little insecure about themselves or their value, and so they they gravitate towards a position they feel as a title or a position of importance, and it helps them make them feel more important. But, of course, none of those are the right motivation for spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership needs to be motivated, as the passage said, according to the will of God and for the glory of God. And the right motivation is a desire To glorify God by serving others in His church because you are just personally so overwhelmed with the magnitude of thinking about what Christ did to redeem you. And that just so blows you away. That a life of service back to God in response seems like the only natural thing to do. Motivation matters with spiritual leadership. The fifth metric... Biometric here for good spiritual leaders is the right leadership style, and that is leading by example. You know, there's a variety of different leadership styles that can be used in different organizations. If you've been in the military, you've noticed they have a particular leadership style. It's a little authoritative, it's a little direct, it's a little blunt. Never seen a World War II movie, you know, where the lieutenant says to the guys in the foxhole, I think we should take out that machine gun nest. Let's talk about it for a while, and then we're going to have a little vote, you know, and if we get a majority, we'll, we'll create an action plan, and then, you know, just, I've never seen that. No, it's rather authoritative, rather direct, and it's enforced by a thing called a court martial. Businesses have their own type of leadership styles, and sometimes business leadership can look a little bold and entrepreneurial and brash and maybe even cutthroat at times. But it's enforced by things like profit margins and paychecks. And when those disappear, then business goes away. Political democracies have a leadership style that ultimately gets enforced by voters, political dictators have a leadership style which becomes enforced by who gets to control the military and the tanks in the street. What type of leadership style is appropriate in the church of Jesus Christ? Well, in 5, 3, and 4 it says, not as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flocked. You see, the right style of leadership in the church is leadership by example. And why is that? Well, because we are following the example of the chief shepherd. In Philippians 5, the original servant leader described what he did this way. He says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. But instead he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So, Peter's mentioned five biometrics of healthy spiritual leadership. And now he turns his attention to the body. Because ultimately for a church to be healthy, for a church to be strong, you've got to have both. You've got to have good leadership. You've got to have good followership. You've got to have good members of the body and good leadership for the body. You extract either one of those from the equation and things are not going to go well in that church. So you have to have this dance of both parties. And so now he turns his attention to healthy team member biometrics. And he says, let me identify five of those. And the first one is a humble spirit towards your brothers and sisters. We find that in verse 5-5, where he says, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. You see, a humble spirit cooperates and follows the lead of those providing leadership in the church. And a humble spirit interacts with your brothers and sisters in Christ in a gracious and a kind and a loving way. Have you ever thought about how the engine works in the car or the truck that you uh, drove to church this morning? You know, it doesn't matter if, if it's an old clunker or, you know, if it's a brand new one you just drove off the lot last week. You have an engine in there, and that engine has a lot of very hard metal parts. And those parts are moving back and forth with very tight tolerances, very quickly. Now, that creates something called friction. Friction creates something called heat. So, if without one ingredient in that motor, your motor, within a matter of five minutes, would turn into a welded piece of metal that wouldn't be getting you anywhere. You extract from that equation A little thing called oil The friction, the heat And that motor just literally Welds itself into a a boat anchor All because of a little Component called oil A lubricant That allows metallic pieces like that To move back and forth at high rates of speed And work together to accomplish The purpose of getting you here Or getting you home Very important component in the equation what oil is to the engine humility is to the body of Christ without oil your engine lasts five minutes with oil you might run that thing for 200,000 miles with humility the body of Christ works as the members of the body of Christ work next to each other together at a high rate of speed but you don't have friction which turns into conflict if you have humility. Humility to the body of Christ is what oil is to the engine. So he says, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. A second biometric of a healthy team member is found in verse 6. 5-6 says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Chances are everyone in this room has some things this morning that that you're praying for, that you're hoping will happen, that you're anticipating in the future. It hasn't happened yet, but but you desire it, you anticipate it, you, you hope for it, you're praying for it. Now, what do you do while you're waiting for those dreams to be fulfilled, for those hopes to be realized? That's important. I mean, you could get impatient. You could become demanding. You could get angry that they aren't here yet. You could start to say, well, I think God's timing's a little slow, so since He's not really coming through for me the way I think He ought to in terms of timing, maybe I need to get involved here, and I just need to kind of pull some levers and do some things and make it happen on my own. You could do that. But Peter says, here's a better approach. On those things that you're waiting for. And we all have some. How about just humble yourself before God and trust in His perfect timing? How about don't become demanding or angry? How about realize that this is a faith exercise and remind yourself that God's still on the throne and He has a plan and His timing is always perfect? And how about commit to waiting for God's perfect timing instead of trying to make it happen on your own? A trusting spirit that God's timing is perfect. The third biometric of a healthy team member is found in verse 7. Verse 7 says, Casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. And I described it this way. It's a prayerful spirit that trusts in God's provision. If we had the time this morning, we could go around this room, and if everyone was up for it, they could stand up and they could probably tell their story. And if, and if they felt comfortable to tell it, you would hear stories of significant needs, of financial needs, of physical needs, of emotional needs, of relational needs, of spiritual needs, and those needs are real. They're not imagined. They're not made up. They're real. What are you supposed to do with those needs? Well, Peter says, cast all your anxiety on God. In other words, what Peter says is what we're supposed to do is how about we take those needs and we take them to God in prayer and how about we leave them there? You see, we like to make life more complicated than it is to sometimes explain our disobedience, but here's the reality. At the end of the day, we have two options. We can worry about our needs and make ourselves anxious and miserable, or we can pray about them. We can commit them to God and we can experience the peace of God. Why can you pray about those needs instead of worry about them? Well, the verse continues because He cares for you. You see, He cares. And not only does He care, but He can actually do something about it. You might come up to me and you might share with me some, some great need you or your family's experiencing right now, and I could feel, I could care about it, and I could feel deeply that I'd like to help you, but you know, it might be true. There's absolutely nothing I can do that would change that, that would really help. That's possible. But that's not true with God. Not only does He care, He's powerful, and He actually is the one person who can do something about it. So He says, That's why. Don't worry. Pray, trust. That's a biometric of a healthy team member. That we do have needs, but we take those needs to God, and we trust God with them. A fourth biometric of a healthy team member is they have an alert spirit that identifies and resists temptation. Verse 8 says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith. In February, Sharon and I are going to get on a big boat, and we're going to head south, and we're going to stop at an island called Grenada in the southern Caribbean. And what's going to be fun about that is we're going to get off the big boat, we're going to hit the beach and spend a the day there. This is an island that Sharon grew up on and hasn't been on for about 40 years now because she was the daughter of missionary parents who were working on that island where she was growing up. So we're looking forward to getting on that boat, and hitting that beach, and seeing that island, and it should be fun, it should be enjoyable. But you know, not all boat rides in like that, do they? On Tuesday, June 6th, 1944, at about 6.30 a.m. in the morning, a bunch of ships were heading for the beach. There were about 5,000 ships. They were carrying 175,000 Allied troops, and they were approaching the southern beaches in France. Now these beaches were in the heart of Nazi-controlled Europe. We look back on that day and we call it D-Day. And as those men approached Normandy and Omaha Beach in that early morning, they were under no illusion that they were going for a vacation, a little time off, or some fun in the sun. They understood on that morning that they were walking into a war. In this verse, Peter is reminding us that we are not living on some sandals beachfront resort here in this life. We're living in a battleground, a spiritual battleground. And Peter reminds us in 5.8 here that we are in a battle no less stringent with an enemy, no less fierce and consequences gravely more significant than even those the allied troops faced on D-Day. So he says, friends, be alert. Be sober. Have you recognized that you'll never do the will of God by accident? Have you learned that you will never drift into godliness? You will never drift into maturity? The Christian life is an uphill battle siege, and you never just coast uphill. If you're coasting, you're going backwards. You see, the world is dark and your heart is dark, so to do the will of God takes intentionality and focus. And if you're not fighting, you're losing. So get in the fight. Be alert. Resist. Stand firm in your faith. The Puritan John Owen said it this way, You are either actively killing sin or it's killing you. The fifth biometric of a good team member is a patient spirit that anticipates eternal glory with Christ. 5.10 says, Now after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You see, we're called to be patient because we understand that in this world we will experience some persecution and we will experience some suffering. But that is only for a little while. See, what he's saying here is that as Christians, we see the rest of the story. We see an eternity with Christ. And so we can go through a couple years of suffering because we see the big picture. We see the eternity of what's coming. And we look forward with anticipation to what's coming. And that gives us stability and hope as we walk through these few years. All right, so what's Peter doing in this chapter? Basically, he is giving us the biometrics of a healthy church. He's saying, this is what a healthy, this is what a strong church looks like. This is how team leads lead. This is how team members serve. So we come back to the question, how are we doing? How spiritually healthy is LCF? And here's how you would answer that question. If you are here this morning and you consider LCF to be your church home, then that question gets answered one mirror at a time. One mirror at a time. Funny thing about those health screenings. I've been to a couple of them now. Every time I go there, then they identify this is what healthy looks like, and this is what Randy looks like, and, you know, and, and then they talk about how that could intersect. Every time I go there, they ask me questions, but they only ask me questions about me. Now, I would find it a lot easier if they would ask me questions about others. In other words, you know, if they would say, Randy, okay, uh, you know, we're here for your health screening. So what do, you, what do you think about that guy? And I said, well, I work with that guy, and I've seen him eat lunch. You need to talk to him about his diet because he is not eating healthy food. And I, and I think that one could lose about 10 pounds. And, I, and I, that one doesn't exercise at all. I know her. You know, you need to talk to her. about. I, I could share ideas on how these other people in the room could get healthy. But as of yet, they have never asked me about anyone but me. All their questions are about me. How healthy are we as a church? Well, that's where we look in the mirror every morning and you answer the question, how healthy is the person you see in the mirror? Because if this is your church, you are a part of us, we are you, we're in this together. We're all a part of the body. When one is strong, we are strong. When one is weak, we are weak. These are the kind of biometrics worthy of some consideration, some reflection, some meditation. Nah, it's not fancy, it's not new. I get, I get that. They keep asking the same questions every 50 year, all 50 years. But the, this is what healthy looks like. And there's two ways, you, two attitudes I guess you can have when you walk away from one of those wellness screening events. You can walk away from that event and you could say, Okay, I wish I'd been doing something else, but I had to do that for two hours, and I did that. I got that done for this year, and now I can forget about it. Thank goodness, and I don't have to go through it again for another year. That's one approach you could take. Or here's another approach you could take. You could say, all right, I went to that health screening. They identified some areas where I'm I'm, I'm doing pretty good, and they identified some areas where, quite honestly, I probably need to do a little work. I mean, I, I probably need to change some of the things I'm doing, and I could actually create a different result next year. I could be a little healthier if I would if I would make some changes in my life. And I could do those. And there's two two ways you can walk away from a passage like 1 Peter. You could say, okay, well that was mildly annoying, but maybe you know he'll go away and then we won't have to think about it for another year and then we'll think about it again. That's one approach. Or we could look at these biometrics. We could get alone with God. We could ask the Holy Spirit to to look at our hearts. We could get input even from some other trusted believers in Christ. And we could say, you know, God, change me. Make me more like you. Make me spiritually healthier. We could do things maybe differently than we've done them before. We could try some new things. We could cooperate with the Spirit of God. Here's the thing. As, as a believer, we know in our head, we, we know that we are involved in this process of sanctification, which means we are being changed by the Holy Spirit and becoming more like Christ. We understand that, but sometimes I think we, we must forget it, and we kind of think we're done, and, and we think there's no more change going on. I accepted Christ, I'm in the church, You know, we're good, aren't we? We should be constantly changing, constantly growing. Constantly becoming different and more like Christ. Change should be for us the norm. That that is normal for for a growing believer, to becoming more like Christ. So we can take a look at these metrics. We can ask God to give us insight and wisdom, and we can become more like Christ. So as we start to kind of close it up this morning, I guess the challenge would be if you're in a spiritual leadership role in this church... Um, I want to encourage you to sit down and just think through those biometrics our Peter shared for us. Am I doing this with the right perspective? Is, it, is there humility in my heart? Is it about Christ or is it about me? Am I doing the right actions with the right attitude, with the right motivation, with the, the right leadership style? Example. And if you're a member here, do you have a humble spirit towards your brothers and sisters? Do you have a trusting spirit in those areas of life? are you waiting for God's perfect timing? Do you have a prayerful spirit in those areas of need where you're looking to God to provide? Do you have an alert spirit? Are you identifying temptation and resisting it? Are you alert and in the fight? Are you killing sin or is it killing you this morning? And do you have a patient spirit that anticipates the glory of Christ? A healthy church is a strong church and I think if, first, if Peter were with us this morning... He would probably say, LCF, if you will follow the chief shepherd, and if your team leads will lead like this, and if your team members will follow like this, there is no limit to the amazing things that God could do in you and through you for his glory. Let's go ahead and stand.